broadcasting from Melbourne, Victoria. You're listening to the Investor Exchange. Tune in each week and listen to the guys from United Global Capital discuss the topics that matter the most to your finances. Each episode will help you separate the noise from what really matters, giving you timely and actionable information you can use. We'll cover areas related to financial markets, property, politics, personal finance, and the economy. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Sumner. A very good morning, guys, and Happy New Year. Happy 2021. How are you all doing? Fabulous. Thanks, Steph. How about you, Brett? We're optimistic, look, looking forward to, to what this year might bring. Uh, I think it might be a little bit of a mixed bag, but has to be something different to last year. Yeah. Let's bring it on, I say. Uh, yeah. Should be uh, plenty of reason for optimism. Yep, definitely. That's that's a good way to start it, John. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent insight. <laughs> He's a man full of lots of words at the moment. <laughs> Compared to a lot of other places in the world, I think we're doing pretty well. We we absolutely are. We absolutely are. Now you guys were down at the beach on holidays, I I hear, and and happened to bump into each other, Brett and Louis. Oh, it was an accidental uh, bumping into each other for sure. What a coincidence! Brett was walking uh, one way up and down the uh, the boardwalk of the beach, uh, and I had uh, just rented a, a wetsuit and a surfboard, and I was running the other way towards the waves. Away from each other, or you you planned that? Oh, our paths basically crossed, like purely by coincidence. I was yeah. walking in one direction, Louis was crossing the the walk to get to the surf, and it just happened we were there at the same time. Wow. Wouldn't have known otherwise. No. That's crazy. Like, Ten seconds just, either side, and probably wouldn't have seen each other. Just thought you couldn't get enough of each other, um, given you had the year that was, and you, you missed each other so badly, you had to go on holidays together. Huh? <laughs> have you guys, have you guys even uh, met each other in the last twelve months, other than the Christmas party? The Christmas, Christmas party? party would have been the only time. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, it was uh, uh, nine months of uh, no Brett time. about that. 
um, at every available opportunity. So they think they're pretty important to the to the country and and to themselves. So um, they're doing uh, a good job of paying everyone off. So. <laughs> well, sometime in the last month, I remember seeing an article that he he threatened he released some sort of threat that uh, the other states shouldn't try to change the GST scenario because I know they there's some sort of breakdown where they get so much of the, the GST from the mining activities that they didn't want it to change. Ah, right. Okay. Well, um, I have heard rumours that uh, cessation could be uh, on the on the, on the the table. Is that is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time. No. <laughs> Just more of the same. I'm sure there would be uh, a few that would be for it. No doubt. Well, Another another quick question for you um, before we move into our first topic of the day. Has anyone got their own little bucket list of travel destinations around Australia? Because I think the travel is going to be completely in Australia this year and could even extend into the following year. So are there any, any bucket list places that you guys have got on the go? What about you, Brett? Uh, look, I, I haven't got any in particular. Look, I've always wanted to see the northwest of, of the country. Unfortunately, I can't convince my partner to to take a trip up there, but some of the places along the northern part of, of Western Australia is an area I've never explored. And, and you probably I, won't. No, probably won't. <laughs> not, with, not with WA's rules. No, outside of that, uh, a place that I've never visited, but I some friends of mine recently went down there for a golf trip and raved about it was King Island. Oh, I've heard that's beautiful. Yeah. It's really nice, yeah. 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 How about you, Louis? Uh, well, just on on Brett's destination, uh, I would uh, I'd agree that the northwest of West Australia is absolutely beautiful. Uh, mm. It's like being on another planet. Um, so if you can get up there, it is uh, absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I think that's uh, similar, isn't it, to what we wanted to do? Yeah, and Tasmania. I haven't done a lot of Tasmania. I'm, I'm keen to do Tasmania sometime around um, either. A, a, you know, autumn or, or springtime. I think that'd be lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, great, great part of the world. Um, our holidays are, are going to revolve around people this year, um, catching up with uh, with friends that we haven't been able to connect with because of the because of the uh, the border closures um, and and family around the place. Um, so not so much about the destinations, more about the the people. Um, I think uh, I think one to, to trip to Port Ferry is on the cards on the oh, Great Ocean Road. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a nice spot, but again, it's more to catch up with uh, with the people. Yeah. Uh, I've got some family in Adelaide, and uh, and they'll come across. So so yeah, that's that's our focus. Yeah, sounds like a, a, a decent year ahead. Let's hope the the borders remain open and um, everything goes as well as possible. There's a lot more that will go from being bad to being good than is currently good that could go to bad. So, I agree with that. 2021 is going to be a much better year than 2020. Still some yeah. headwinds, um, but uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic it'll be better than 2020. I agree. I agree. Here, All right. Well, look, let's move into our first topic for today. Joel, you're going to speak to us about where the markets are now and just the historic performance of 2020. Yeah, I'm just going to take a bit of a look back here and uh, and, and see where we actually came through to, the, to finish off the year. It's um, We haven't uh, spoken to the audience since prior to Christmas. And so now we have the end of calendar year returns and results in. And uh, by and large, um, I've got to say it was a very successful year for uh, UGC, by and large. Um, our flagship Platinum Alpha strategy, uh, which is our global equity strategy that uh, forms the core of most of our clients' uh, investment portfolios, uh, put in a return of 39% on average. Uh, across all client portfolios after fees, so That's very nice. strong year. Uh, very strong year for us, and uh, and that rounds out a four and a half year period where we've averaged uh, 22 and a half percent net of all fees as well, uh, compounded on an annualised basis. So very pleased with those results. Now um, we didn't just do it all on our own. We did have some some help. Um, the U.S. stock market certainly uh, had a reasonable year, all things considered. Uh, we had the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, was up around about 7.3% for the for the whole year. We had the S&P 500, which was up 16.3% uh, for the whole year. Um, and we had the NASDAQ, which was the absolute standout. And the NASDAQ was the, certainly the beneficiary of 
the work from home um, theme that uh, grabbed 2020, uh, which was up 43.6% for the, for the year. By far, out of all the major Western um, markets, the NASDAQ was absolutely the leader of all indexes uh, in 2020. Uh, and largely because of the technology, uh, the number of technology companies that are listed on the NASDAQ, um, uh, you know, many of those uh, really um, had stellar years as uh, corporations and, uh, and people were learned to uh, adapt, you know, new platforms and new technologies um, at a pace that uh, would probably have taken anywhere between three to five years for that level of adoption. So, um, a big strong year. For the Australian stock market, it wasn't as good. Uh, Australian stock market, albeit um, closed down, actually, on, we're talking about prices here. The, uh, the price level for the Australian stock market actually closed down 1.5% for the whole year. But by the time you add in dividends, was up 1.5% uh, um, uh, by the time you add, add in dividends. So a bit of a flat year for the ASX. Now, this all came on the back of what was a 34% decline in the S&P 500 between March and April from peak to trough and a 39% decline in the ASX 200, the Australian stock market. So um, it was uh, really quite a, 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 an incredible year because rarely have we ever seen markets fall by such magnitude to then you know, recover so quickly in such a short time frame. Uh, interestingly enough, though, we have had a look at uh, some studies of past market performance, and what we tend to find is that uh, in many instances where markets drop very rapidly, uh, they tend to recover quite rapidly. Um, not In not all cases, but by and large, on average, the faster the market falls, the faster the recovery, and the more elongated the fall, the slower the recovery. So um, Why is that? Like, what, what do people do in that situation? Why do they why does it recover that quickly? I, I, I don't know. We haven't actually gone back and had a look at the reasoning behind that. I suspect that perhaps the uh, the, rapid, the, the, the rapidness of, of the decline perhaps uh, is quicker to spark policy action. Yeah. Um, certainly central banks and governments tend to step in much more quicker if the, if the decline is sharp and shocking, um, whereas if it's sort of something that happens uh, over a much, much longer and protracted time horizon, policy response tends to be much longer and protracted before it actually kicks in because the pain is, uh, is uh, um, you know, is longer to be felt. Um, looking forward, though, and where we are at this point in time in the cycle, um, there's no doubt uh, we're, we're currently seeing a bit of froth in the market. Um, we believe, and all of our analysis indicates that uh, the, the macroeconomic picture in which we're operating in and the environment which we're operating in is, is still very supportive for stocks over the medium to longer term. We have low interest rates, we have positive yield curve, we have growing corporate profits and uh, expectations for growing corporate profits. You know, we, we're well and truly on the path to recovery, uh, albeit that we're, we're going to hit some bumps along the way. Uh, but certainly in the in the short term, when it comes to um, uh, sentiment measures, uh, the market does look like it's gone a little bit too far here, and we're also starting to see um, some divergences pop up, and they're quite quite big divergences on a short term basis. So we're seeing a loss of momentum, um, particularly in the U.S. stock market, which has led all markets higher. We are seeing a loss of momentum. We're seeing uh, new highs being hit on the S&P 500, but we're seeing uh, non-confirmations in the uh, in the MACD, the, the moving average consolidation distribution, uh, sorry, um, convergence divergence uh, indicator, which is a momentum indicator, um, with the S&P 500 hitting new all-time highs, but the MACD not hitting new all-time highs, uh, in fact, trending down, and that's been confirmed by the oscillator and also by the relative strength index. Um, there's a bit of, there's, that's an indication that there's some short-term wear and tear in the market and uh, and we perhaps you know uh, getting closer to a, a bit of a pullback here um, it's a similar story if we have a look at the nasdaq as well um, and uh, also a similar story uh, there's some divergences starting to pop up in the mid-cap section of the russell 2000 on the u.s stock market so um, we're also seeing participation the advanced decline lines they're starting to roll over a little bit no, nothing major so it's all just sort of indications that you know this market has really gone through a strong 
strong period, but it's it's getting a little bit weary and a little bit tired, and certainly at the at the latter stages of this current rally, and uh, perhaps we're getting ready to digest some of those moves and uh, and have some of, um, and have a, a a correction. We're also starting to see a, a number of distribution days add up. Um, and what I mean by distribution days, these are these are either um, these are up days that are met with heavy selling that then reverse during the day, or they're stalling days where there's lots of volume, but the market, but the price action sort of stays in a very tight, narrow range. It doesn't move anywhere. That's often a sign that uh, that there's a lot of selling that's preventing um, the, the prices to move higher. And you tend to see sort of anywhere between sort of four to seven distribution days start to add up within a 30-day uh, trading period that can tend to um, signify that uh, that institutions are selling into this rally and uh, and rather than being net buyers, they're becoming net sellers. So we've got five distribution days on the S&P 500 and three on the NASDAQ at this stage. Um, so once again, we, we're starting to see some signs that that uh, just in the short term, technically, this market is looking potentially a bit vulnerable. We're also seeing sentiment measures, um, market sentiment, uh, investor sentiment is getting is, is quite bullish. We have the put to call ratio, which measures the number of call options, which is a bullish uh, trade versus the number of put options being bought, which is a, a bearish trade. The ratio between the number of call options being bought and the number of put options being bought is uh, is now back down at almost historical low level, uh, historically wide levels, uh, where the the number of calls is well and truly outweighing the number of puts, which means that the market is um, very much uh, tilted in one direction, and it may not take much selling. Uh, it, it's sort of an indication that everyone is who wants to buy has already bought, and uh, it may not take much selling to uh, to see a, a short and sharp correction here uh, start to unfold. Um, so uh, look, the message for us is that we still feel quite optimistic about the next uh, six to twelve months. We, we we're certainly still in recovery mode, but I do see some correlations to uh, sort of 2017, where we were coming out of the, we had a, uh, if we go back and think back to sort of 2015, 2016, we had the oil crisis of 2015 and 16, and we saw two major sell-offs, one in the middle of 2015, where the market fell by about 15%, and then a bigger one in, in January of 2016, where the market sold off by, by about 20%. And then subsequent to that, we saw a, a recovery that took place between 2016 and then a, a real you know, uh, acceleration in prices all the way through to 2017. And the market peaked uh, in, the, in, in the last uh, week of January of 2018 before we went into this two-year sideways consolidation pattern. Now, I don't know whether or not we're going to go into a two-year sideways consolidation pattern, but it reminds me. This current phase reminds me very much of this, of, of the, you know, of a similar repeat of that cycle between 2016 and 17 into the early phase of 2018, because in 2018 we had a major sell-off of 25%, and then we went through a recovery in 2019, and then we've now seen an acceleration into 2020 and with 2021, um, in the early stages of 2021. Uh, we're seeing the same sorts of technical conditions that led to a, a quick 10% correction and pullback in the latter stages of January, um, uh, you know, in the latter stages of January 2018. So I'm seeing uh, a, lots of, a lot of correlations and, and, uh, and similarities between those two cycles. Um, so what we've done is we, we have started to cut back uh, some of our exposure to the market. We are selling into some strength here. Uh, we took... Um, we cut back uh, our tactical asset allocation by half uh, this week, and we're probably looking to sell some more of our tactical asset allocation, and that'll bring our exposure to the market right back to probably only somewhere around 75% exposed rather than being 100% invested in the market. And we anticipate we, we, we probably get there within the next few days. So um, the, the message for us, um, things look good, but uh, in the short term, perhaps uh, take some profits, lighten up your load, lighten up a bit of exposure, no need to get bearish. Uh, we're not in the conditions where we're likely to see a, a major stock market decline or crash because of economic deterioration. That's not the case. But certainly 
uh, we're susceptible to a, a five and possibly even a 10% pullback sometime in the next six weeks or so. Finish. Just have you got any kind of um, advice on particular industries uh, either to avoid or to look at for this coming year? Look, in terms of market sector rotations, we're certainly seeing some rotations take place right now. Uh, for much of 2020, it was very much a big cap technology uh, theme that was driving the market higher. Uh, we are starting to see the mid cap section of the market start to work and we're starting to see more of those uh, growth companies that, that, that are looking to become the next Microsoft, Apple's, Google's start to, to get some action. We're also uh, noticing that there is a rotation into the economic opening up and economic recovery story. Um, so um, we're starting to see that uh, there is a bit of love coming into places like travel, leisure, um, even hotels, um, you know, and, and uh, casual dining restaurants. They're starting to get a little bit more love these days. Um, so. Yes, I think that uh, that theme could probably continue um, as we see the, the vaccine uh, programs across the various countries around the world uh, roll out. Um, but ultimately, what you want to be doing is you want to be looking for relative strength in the market. So look, look and screen for those stocks that are in uptrend and, uh, and look for pockets of strength. If you do get this correction here, use this as a great opportunity to look for pockets of strength. And the market will tell you where where it wants um, money to flow or where money is flowing, and you can follow that uh, that money flow to to identify the next round of potential leaders and winners when the next trend uh, gets underway. Good advice, Joel. Uh, I, sorry, Steph. Oh, sorry. Before I cut you off, Brett. Yeah, yeah, Joel. We almost just brushed over what you said at the very beginning there, and I don't think it, we've really got a good perspective on that. I, I think what you mentioned about the returns you achieved last year have been downplayed. Can we put some perspective in that? A 40% return, in effect, is, is what you've been able to achieve, and a lot of that's based on a lot of what you've, you've followed on there with the system and the process you used to, to make these decisions. But, you know, you identified where the opportunities were last year, you backed yourself and, and took those positions and delivered that outcome. That sort of return is is not going to happen year on year. And, and how is that compared to, to what other sorts of uh, returns have been? Like from what I've heard, most uh, superannuation funds have been going backwards through the same time period. Yeah, so um, we actually uh, we put out a report uh, and, and some numbers on um, on this every month, and in fact, uh, like, in fact, we post them on our new website. So for those people who aren't aware, we, we and who listen to us, uh, go to the UGC website, ugc.net.au, uh, and uh, on our homepage, you can uh, track and follow how our flagship investment strategy, the Platinum Alpha strategy, has performed. Um, and we do show some comparative stats with respect to how. The broader superannuation funds and growth uh, portfolios for those superannuation funds have performed. And if we have a look at, um, if we just have a look at uh, the past, well, I haven't got, the, I haven't got the one year stats here, unfortunately. But, but I know that when I had a look at the report, uh, and I can dig it up, and I'll, I'll come back and circle back to it. But I, I believe many of the, the growth funds for super retail superannuation in, in the retail superannuation industry had returns of somewhere around about three and a half percent to to four percent um at the best of it so, so yeah, yes, I, think, I think what you've achieved is amazing yeah yeah we're very proud of, of what we we're able to achieve last year particularly in a volatile market environment and, and we're quite confident that you know the, the the system works now we don't get it right every year though and i think that this is the key thing to understand i mean out of the four and a half years we've been running this strategy uh in its current form um, you know, we had a negative year in 2018. We lost 6% that year. Uh, but the the idea is that, um, and we're getting better. We're constantly getting better and refining our methods and, our, and the way in which we can identify uh, market turning points and, and also how we can better protect and put a floor under portfolios so we don't have those negative years. But um, uh, <clears throat> But I think ultimately, you know, no one system outperforms in every market condition. Uh, and I think the, the, the thing to understand is that we always tell our clients, you need to take at least a five-year view uh, when looking at this uh, at this system and uh, and give it the five years to really sit back and assess how it has performed. Because we're confident that by following the process and following the system, 
you know, three and a half years out of those five years, um, we should do quite well. And in fact, we should have some really big years amongst uh, amongst those uh, three and a half years. And, and the one and a half years that we don't do so well, or we just match the returns of the market, uh, or maybe even slightly underperform, well, that's, that's to be expected. But on average, you know, we're looking at averages here and, and uh, we're looking at making sure that we've got a process that's repeatable, that uh, if we follow that process uh, over time, we're, we're going to be able to exploit an edge. And, uh, and essentially, that's what we're about with the Platinum Alpha strategy and many of the strategies that we run. In fact, uh, Brett, it's, it's not even in the, real, uh, in the stock market, but it's also in the real estate market through real estate development and, and the like. It's when you've got a successful process, you know you can exploit that edge. Yeah. Um, you, you've then just got to follow that process consistently to continue to repeat those results. And not every project or every investment that we buy is, is going to be a, a home run, but um, you, you add them up together over a successive period of time and uh, and the results should lead to, you know, solid outperformance. Mm. And I can actually talk to that from experience, given that I think I have been Joel's most difficult client um, and putting my money into a self-managed super account. Um, I felt very out of control to do that initially. And, you know, I think waiting that that time period and actually seeing the results at the end of, um, you know, you know, year after year, it has been uh, a massive growth. And I'm, I'm really thankful for what, what um, Joel's managed to do as well. So I think it's just a fear factor of putting in there and wanting to review something every couple of months. And, and when you don't see it grow, you start to panic. But it is a long-term goal at the end of it. So, yeah, correct. The results Steph, I, speak I definitely agree you are his most difficult client. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, someone's got to do it, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> I think family's always difficult. <laughs> but yeah, I could pick up, um, Brent, and it, it, it is something that we should celebrate as well when, when you have returns like that. So yeah, good, good to pick it up. That's yeah. a great year in, in the scheme of things. We're really well done. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to take a very quick break and we'll be back after this message. Want to learn the strategies that have achieved returns more than double the return of the average superannuation fund? Each day, clients of United Global Capital are using strategies and tactics that were once thought the domain of the professional investor or the super rich. Book your seat at UGC's Financial Fast Track Seminars, where you'll learn the science behind selecting high-performance stocks and real estate how you can participate in advanced strategies like property development, short selling, and international investments, as well as how to protect your wealth against major adverse market events. To secure your seat, simply go to ugc.net.au slash events and select the seminar that suits your needs. Seats are limited, so book your spot now. Hey, welcome back. Now, Louis, you're going to be speaking to us today about uh, the new year and looking ahead yeah, I am. Uh, and this is coming from a personal point of view. Something that I uh, do at the start of every new year is a bit of a review of the year that's gone by and uh, and looking ahead to the to the year that's going to come and just seeing what I can learn. Um, I think that's really important and uh, a saying that I've really enjoyed hearing and, and used from time to time is um, there's a difference in life between a person who has 30 years experience and another person who's got one years of experience 30 times. So what I always think in personal development and professional development is it's really important to take the learnings uh, of what happens along the way and, uh, and, and adapt to that and learn new strengths, learn new skills and, uh, and modify what you do in future. Um, to be better placed to uh, to improve on uh, on what you're capable of and, uh, and and the outcomes that you can achieve. So today I just want to talk through um, what my process has been um, for, for for the year in review that I've done, and just a couple of questions that are slightly different uh, in this year uh, compared to years gone by. Um, and uh, and and the first question that I had. Uh, in my year in review, it's usually, um, okay, let's review the last year, whereas this time it's, what the hell happened last year? <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, it was just a roller coaster. And normally when I when I get to January and I've, 
I've had my holiday uh, and I um, have a nice clear mind and can then do the, the year in review, there's the milestones and the key achievements and the highs that I can sort of automatically recall from the top of my head um, and the low points as well. Whereas thinking about last year, I really had to go through month by month and think what actually happened in that month and <laughs> go through my calendar and was like, oh, that thing happened there and this thing. You, you um, have a calendar for last year? I mean, mine was empty. I wasn't oh. going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was chock-a-block full of, uh, of of work meetings and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in my calendar with uh, with school commitments and and homeschool commitments and, and things like that. Just to yeah. just to refresh my memory on on what happened when and and thinking back, um, I had thoughts like, I can't believe that thing happened in August. I thought it happened in May and and vice versa. Things that I thought happened early actually happened late. So. I really had to go through month by month to recall what the hell actually happened last year, and uh, and in doing that, I, um, me personally, I um, uh, found a way to actually cut myself some slack because uh, it was just such an extraordinary year, um, and um, uh, yeah, what else can you say about last year? Yeah, um, exactly. For, it was a blur. It, it was a blur. <laughs> And everyone has a different story. Everyone, yeah. just about everyone has a story of some kind of adversity. Uh, the majority of people I speak to have do have some really big positives in there. Um, but then, of course, there are a lot of stories about some um, uh, big negatives for, for people who have lost their jobs or closed their businesses. Um, so, um, you know, everyone's had a unique experience uh, through Almost. this. It was almost like uh, that fairy tale opening. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but keep in mind that uh, the purpose of this year in review and, and looking ahead, um, from my point of view anyway, is you're looking for discovery and you're looking for learnings. So in looking over the last uh, 12 months, what I'm looking for is um, from those good things and bad things that happened, um, what are what are the big wins that you can really take credit for? Uh, what are the things that um, didn't work well or, or were really bad times, and why? So, what's the uh, what's the morals? What's the messages and the learnings that you can take from that? A few. Um, a few additional questions that suit the last year is um, what changes really suited you and really didn't suit you? Because I think everyone last year had some conditions forced upon them and a lot of people struggled with them, but there's also some silver linings to some of those. So the whole working from home experience um, for, for some people has been extremely challenging, but not 100% challenging. If it's been 80 or 90% challenging, there's also a, maybe a 10 or 20% uh, that's actually a, a benefit from it. Like maybe you don't have to uh, spend time doing the morning commute um, or whatever it is. You're, you're looking for that balance uh, and, and the learnings of um, what didn't suit and what did suit. Uh, what are the positives and the negatives and why did I like them or why did I not like them? So almost a self-discovery that you're trying to do. Um, another question is how did you handle the pace of change last year? There's certain people with personalities that work really well in a fast-changing environment and some people with personalities that don't really suit a fast-changing uh, environment. Um, and again, what can you learn from that? Um, if you didn't handle the pace of change well, is it something that you want to change about yourself or is it something that you want to accept about yourself and then take actions to make sure that you're in an environment to suit what you are naturally good at or uh, and, and avoid environments uh, that requires things that you are not naturally good at? So. How did you handle that pace of change? Were you quick to react or slow to react? Um, what previously unknown strengths or talents did you discover? Uh, maybe it was home cooking. Uh, maybe it was uh, certain people skills that you were able to really bring out to the front. 
uh, maybe it was certain technical skills uh, that you were able to bring to the table. And on reflection, what are the things that uh, that are most important to you? So now that you've had the last year and we're looking to the year ahead, what are the top priorities for you personally and your family? Maybe the things that you went without last year or the things that were impacted last year that you've now discovered, hang on, now that I haven't been able to travel or now that I haven't been able to uh, uh have my child go somewhere else to go to school and leave me alone for six hours. What what what's actually uh, more important for me uh, now that I've had a period of time that I was deprived of that. Mm. Um, but also, um, and, and I've got a bit of a focus on that because it was such a personally challenging year last year. But you apply the same thinking to your job or your business. So what are those elements of your role in your job, uh, or what are those functions of your business? Uh, that on reassessment and reflection, what are the top priorities there? What are the key um, the key duties or functions you need to focus on in the next year? Or what are the top outcomes that you need to really try and achieve uh, in the next year um, now that we've been through the last year? Um, and, uh, and and that's the part that I really wanted to, to focus on uh, in this segment today, because it, it then pivots through to a, to a goal setting exercise uh, and then a review and reflection on on how to actually do that in my personal life and, and my business life. Um, but the main thing of, uh, of this is that year in review and, and just how I've approached it a little bit differently this year. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think um, everyone's sort of come back. I know everyone starts a new year feeling sort of, you know, quite fresh and, um, you know, the workload's not ridiculous at this stage. But I, I do think for a lot of people, um, people have been a little bit reflective um, coming into this year. I know personally, even in my own, with my own staff and um, my own manager, we had a conversation the other day um, just about not wanting to get back to that same ridiculous pace where everyone's basically working around the clock. Um, and one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of grateful for just from my own sense is that we've already been set up to work at home and it's not such a shock to everyone um, if if there was another outbreak to occur. We've sort of got it right now um, mm. that people can function because I think half of the battle last year was just not knowing how to deal with what was sort of thrust at us because it was just so new. So um, I'm hoping that um, any challenge going forward, I think we've sort of moved to the, the new way of working anyway and it's just not going to be as much of a shock. Mm, yeah, we've certainly become more resilient as a society. I think uh, having gone through 2020, but then again, I also wonder whether or not um, if we are actually soft in comparison to historical generations. When you think about, you know, World War One and World War Two, and uh, you know all of these other, you know, trials that uh, that you know human populations went through in the at the at the start of the last yeah. century, yeah. <laughs> we, we really have a have a reason to whinge. <laughs> that yeah but i do think it, it has been incredibly challenging at home in its own way so yeah. um yes you couldn't compare it to the likes of war but gee i tell you what it's it's certainly it's had its own challenges <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and and you're right steph there's there's the really big things and and the big shifts uh that we can take away from last year um but don't neglect the little ones mm. little things can make big differences and i realized it, it was just yesterday that um i don't look into the long distance enough i spend so much time of my day looking at a screen by the yeah. end of the day i'm i'm tired and grumpy yep. and if i just make a small adjustment to my seating position then instead of looking, instead of focusing less than a metre ahead of me for uh, for eight hours of a day, if I can actually extend my focus to 10 metres in front of me or, or 20 mm -hmm. metres by being near a window, it's a tiny thing, but it can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. it can. Yeah. And even knowing to just go out and get off the desk for a minute and go out and just have a walk, I think that's another thing that um, a lot of people didn't do. You sort of became sort of so glued to your screen you forgot about even moving your body and just what that can actually do to your mindset. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so there's these little, uh, call them hacks, call them whatever you want, uh, yeah. but but don't neglect these little things that make a big difference. And it's the old 80-20 principle, the Pareto mm -hmm. principle, 20% um, uh, of your actions result in 80% of your results. And, and I reckon 20% uh, uh, changes of a 20% magnitude can have that 80% 
uh, impact as well. Yeah. And just as a final tip, though, Louis, how do you um, encourage people to keep these great sort of um, ideas going and just keep yourself accountable for the year ahead? Because um, it's hard um, to say it, and then it's also hard to keep it keep it the momentum going. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's an awesome book uh, called The Power of Habit uh, by Charles Duhigg, which is a bit of a, a bit of a Bible book for for anyone who uh, studies. Um, uh, organizational behavior um, um, and also marketing people uh, re refer to it a fair bit and if you are trying to make a change in your life um, a lot of us are very habitual and there's theories about that there's a theory that we only actually make maybe five um, conscious decisions in a day mm. um, look for what are your habits what are the things that you're doing just out of routine? Because they are very powerful in our brains and in our thought patterns. And look out for what are the trigger events. Um, so if you want to adopt a new habit of uh, going for a short walk more often during the day while you're working from home, um, then what is your trigger for actually doing it? Um, because you need, um, you, you need to be ready for it and you need to be... Um, uh, you, you need to give yourself permission and space to do it as well. Yeah. Uh, so if you use that as an example, it could be as simple as setting an alarm to go off every two hours or something. Mm. But then when the alarm goes off, you firstly need the space to be open to doing it. And secondly, you need low barriers in front of you. So if you are wanting to do a walk every day, then put on the shoes first thing in the morning that you're going to be wearing to go on those walks during the day and just yeah. wear your runners around the house for the whole day yeah. um, because then you've got one less barrier to actually doing it. I have to yeah. put on my shoes, I have to put on my, my, uh, the, the right shorts for walking. We'll put them on to start your day um, because if there's too many barriers to, to getting started, then in that moment uh, your old habits are going to kick in. And those old habits are going to drive you towards your old behaviour. Yeah. yeah, great advice, great advice. All right, guys, we're going to throw to another quick break and we'll be back after this message. Are you concerned about your finances? Maybe you're not sure if you'll have enough money to retire on. Or maybe you've received a redundancy, inheritance or even a significant promotion or perhaps a life-changing medical diagnosis. Regardless of your concern or financial position, United Global Capital's advisors are experts in the areas of strategic financial planning, taxation, superannuation and self-managed superannuation funds, risk management, estate planning and investments. Don't let fate dictate your financial future. Take control today and contact United Global Capital for a no-cost, no-obligation financial strategy consultation. Simply call 03 8657-7640 or email info at ugc.net.au and book your appointment today. Hey, and welcome back. Now, Brett, you're going to lead us home today. You're going to speak to us today about new home sales and the Home Builder Grant that was released last year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so in a previous episode, I believe it would have been around the, the time that uh, Scott Morrison announced the, the Home Builder Grant, probably back in June, July of last year, we, we discussed this. Um, so just a quick recap, yeah. the, the Home Builder Grant was, uh, was for eligible people that wanted to either renovate or extend their existing home or buy a new home. Uh, could apply and obtain a $25,000 grant um, towards the cost of that providing they applied before the 31st of December. Uh, so that time is, has come and gone, and, and there's been an extension, which I'll discuss in a minute. Um, the interesting part of it is when the government announced it, they estimated that it would cost them around $680 million or, or around 27,000 grants. Uh, wow. As of the 31st of December, 75,000 applications. Whoa. Right. Really? Yeah. So a very effective uh, scheme. Absolutely. So I would say that's been a success. Uh, <laughs> but but that's six hundred and eighty million dollar budgets now uh, closer to two billion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So look, some good signs. I mean, the the whole reason behind it was was as COVID and and all of the lockdowns and the uh, and the problems with uh, with the economy started to hit, 
they wanted to keep the construction industry going, so they introduced this. So, you know, from the the logic behind it, I, I would surely think they would see it as a as a great success, uh, given the volume of, of construction work that will come out of all this or is already underway as well. Yeah, I think they'll be happy to spend it. Definitely. Brett, can I um can I just touch on that very quickly? Um, obviously, my brother is in the building game, and um and uh, you know I come from a, a father who is also in the building game, but I've also got a number of friends who are in the residential domestic building game as well. And what they have actually found is that this program has actually had a, a second order consequence um, in that. Um, Although not everybody who has come to them has been able to get access to the grant, the grants being there in itself has got people thinking about doing the renovations anyway. And when they've and when they've been thinking about um, you know doing the renovations and seeing whether or not they could get access to it, because their mindset has sort of shifted into doing the renovation anyway, uh, people are going ahead without being able to get access to the grant. So it's actually having a, a flow on effect um, so as well. Great. So it's even better than just the two billion they're likely to spend. Yeah, well, there's there's yeah, there's that additional uh, activity that they don't have to actually uh, subsidize that is uh, happening off the back of it as well. Is he finding though they're getting a quote and actually going ahead with it? Or is yeah, it just, yeah. I'm just gonna go and get a quote and then sit on it? But it's, <laughs> but it's not it's not just, it's not just, um, it's not just that it's mm, it's, it's yeah. Tim and uh, you know I'm just rattling off a couple of names who, who are all like through my friendship group that are, are saying the same thing. So mm, mm. Mm. well, yeah, that's good for the building industry. Um, Brett, I was just going to ask, was there a cap on the amount of grants that were actually handed out? No, from well, look, I, I can't say categorically, but yeah. I, I don't believe they put a cap. They just had an expectation. Um, I, I think the 70, so I've got a table in front of me as part of this report that shows that the total as of December 31 was 75,143 right. uh, were actually applied. And of that, 59,763 were for brand new builds uh, <laughs> and renovations or extensions was just over 15,000. So yep. the bulk of, of those applications were for new homes, which is which is why it's led to a significant in, increase in new home sales towards the back end of 2020. Yeah. Does it have any sort of um, data on where the new builds are likely to be or is it just, yep. yeah? Yep. Absolutely. Well, look, not, not specifically in terms of suburbs, but state by state, there's a mm. breakdown here. Uh, and it's good to see that we lead the way again in Victoria. So we, of the 75,000, we were responsible for 21,600 of those applications in Victoria. Wow. I'd have, to, I'd have to assume that that has something to do with the second lockdown and people looking and getting frustrated with that, you know, that, that paint job that needed to be done or not having that deck that they wanted to have. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people also living in apartments realise that uh, if I'm, I'm going to be locked down and if I'm going to yeah. be working from home, really need an extra bedroom or two. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So as you'd expect, uh, Victoria, the, the biggest states were the, the major contributors with Victoria, obviously, at that. New South Wales uh, were at 13,700. Queensland were actually the, the second biggest behind Victoria at 16,600. Uh, and then WA at just on 12,000. Uh, if we go down the other end, though, the Northern Territory, a total of 193. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the flow on of the, or, or one of the effects of this, as we said, what, 60,000 of the 75 were, were grants towards new builds. Uh, and, and just before I, I talk about the new builds, the, the actual program was extended beyond the 31st of December uh, until the 31st of March, but any applications between uh, 1st of January and the 31st of March get a reduced amount of 15,000. So mm -hmm. there's still an opportunity to get something towards a new build or, or a renovation mm -hmm. or extension. Uh, given it's a lower amount, it all helps. Yeah, and I wonder if people, like sort of, Louis, back to sort of your topic as well, and whether people have been sort of quite reflective and gone, well, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And I may as well um, dive in and, and get a new property and and build a new place because um, that's now going to be the priority. So people's people's mindsets are sort of shifted towards this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just quickly touch on the the new home sales. So as as we said, sixty thousand odd applications. That's going to have a significant impact on new home sales. 
the month of December absolutely skyrocketed um, compared to the, the, the rest of the year and also compared to the same time last year. Uh, total new home sales in December of 2020 was just under 14,000. Uh, compare that to December of 2019 and it was around 5,000. So right. almost three times as many. Uh, and from the HIA, the Housing Industry Association, they're saying that new home sales are at their highest point in 20 years. Did, did the grant include um, being able to use that for a holiday home? Oh, I, I, I don't think it, it mattered. I think as long as it was, um, it didn't need to be a, a principal place of residence. It just yeah, needed right. to be a renovation or a new build. Yeah, because I'm just sort of wondering with that as well. A lot, you know, a lot of the people at, at my work have sort of said, "Well, I'm just going to go and buy a, a holiday home." So I'm just wondering if um, some of that would make up um, people just just wanting to build something new and have a holiday home they can split their time between. Look, it, it, I, I can't see why they wouldn't be included in that. Uh, mm. From what I understand, there was there was no rules about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and new home sales for the for the whole year of 2020 were 32 and a half percent up on 2019. Wow. Given we're going through a pandemic, um, I mean, you'd have to assume that the majority of that is due to this grant. Yeah, yeah. And sorry, how long did you say that was going to be extended for? Three months. Three months. So until the end of March now, you can still apply. You'll get a reduced uh, amount of only 15000 Well, it's still 15000 It's nice. So anyone that is still looking to buy a brand new house or, or renovate or extend, it's, it's well worth going and getting it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm. Well, it's certainly... Um, interesting to see those figures and it's not the way that you'd expected to go in the middle of a pandemic so it just shows you, you never really know what um what's going on under the surface so no but as we've discussed there's a lot of factors as, as louis mentioned and yourself steph you know people stuck in lockdown people looking for alternative lifestyles there's a lot of drivers behind this uh, mm. overall I, I think it's a great outcome yeah and brett what do you think about the property market for this year have you got any sort of ideas on where it's going to head do you think the strength will continue what do you think Look, I think the strength will continue because even though, yeah, we've had some economic sort of uh, headwinds, overall, the majority of people are, are still sitting in, in pretty good positions and uh, and the cost of debt is still at a record low. So I mm. think affordability is, is still at a, a pretty much a, an all, maybe not an all-time high in terms of affordability, but it's it's a good time to buy and most people you know, are going to be able to get a good level of debt. There's there's going to be an easing of, re, of lending restrictions at the end of March as well to make it easier for people to get loans. Yeah. So I think all, all's looking good for the property market. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this year we're seeing pretty much residential property prices across the country up somewhere around 5%. Yeah, right. Don't, don't quote me on this, Brett, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw a report just this week where Westpac came out and touted a 15% growth rate in uh, in property. Now, I, I, I'm sure I saw the figure. I don't know exactly over what time frame, but I'm assuming it was, uh, yeah, in, in, the, in a time frame right ahead of us in the near term. So Yeah. Well, I, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be in positive territory for the rest of this year. Mm. And I did see a headline the other day as well, um, just on people uh, in, in January, uh, our unemployment rate has has plummeted as people have sort of gone back to get work. So it's sort of interesting to see that as well. Do you, do you guys know anything about that? And is is that headline true? I can't comment on that one. Not not really aware. Yeah. Here we go, Brett. I've got it right here. Westpac tips a 15% rise in property prices. Nice. Well, I'm not quite as bullish as that. I think 15% is a significant jump. Uh, on where we are with with a still a little bit of uncertainty, like another lockdown could come about. Mm. Um, and my biggest concern with 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 being too bullish is we're we're still going to have a year of low immigration, which is always a big contributor to the demand. Mm. Yeah, right. Overall, I think a positive year, and, and definitely anyone that's been considering buying a property to live in or considering investment by by owning residential property, uh, I think now's as good a time as ever. Yeah, well, I, I think now, much like the stock market, you'll see uh, certain types of properties or maybe certain locations do really well uh, and uh, and other ones don't. Uh, so yeah. probably my guess is you'll see this rotation and the average house price increase might not be much, um, but but there's going to be suburbs and, and types of properties that have a, a, a big move. Spot on. Okay. Uh, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that prediction from Westpac as well. From this year to 2023, 
Mr Evans and senior economist Matthew Hassan predict a 15% national price surge or about a 7.5% rise per year. So there you go, Brett. You're actually probably more in line with Westpac prediction mm. than, uh, than not. Uh, yeah. Not always agreeing with the big four, but I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just feeling so optimistic after this podcast this morning. Everyone's in such a good mood, and uh, it sounds like 2021 is going to be off to a roaring start. So you've made my week. Oh, well, guys, now we're going it. to uh, head along to our final segment of the day, and that is You Can't Be Serious. I'm going to pick on Joel for today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just simply, I was just simply raising my hand to say I have one, and she's going to straight. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I, I will. Uh, I will keep with the holiday spirit, and uh, I've got a couple today, actually, uh, and and it's they're personal, uh, <laughs> personal ones. Uh, in terms of you can't be serious. Uh, first of all, our holiday we um, we took over Christmas. We had planned on going to Sydney for a week, uh, and we were able to uh, dodge the the shutdown in Sydney uh, in time, only to head to Queensland to just dodge the shutdown in Brisbane. Right. Only to head north to Airlie Beach to dodge the cyclone Imogen by a couple of days that came through. <laughs> Only to leave Airlie Beach to dodge the cyclone that uh, that came through Townsville as we were about to leave to come back home. Oh, so, so from a you can't be serious perspective, we have been uh, you know uh, <laughs> very fortunate. <laughs> now on a, on a much sadder note. What's going on with the Australian cricket team? We've now lost two series in a row on Australian soil to the Indian side, and it gets worse. We didn't just lose to India. We lost to their second team. That's right. You had to go there, Joel. So, yeah, what's going on there? I I agree. You can't be serious on that. And and we lost to Brisbane for the first time in 30 years. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. That used to be a a fortress for us. Yeah. Yep, that one hurts. Our bowlers couldn't take the wickets. No. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about you, Brett? What have you got for you can't be serious? Right, well, well, I'm going to keep mine aligned still a little bit towards the holiday theme and and around property. Uh, and I'm going to talk about how the world's worst EB and Airbnb still managed to get bookings. So <laughs> this particular one was basically a, uh, a mattress uh, propped up with a bedside table two glasses of water and a lamp that was not even connected to electricity under a tree in a park. Wow. <laughs> uh, it, it was put up purely as a joke by a YouTube channel called The Passion Squad that do a lot of gags and jokes and stunts, uh, and they, they just ran a, a little skit on it, but it managed to attract a lot of interest, but they, they then pulled it down saying we were never seriously willing to take bookings. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, what about you, Louis? Uh, I've got a gentleman who uh, didn't have a good start to the year because uh, he decided to try to break into a pub. Uh, this is in Queensland, uh, just north of the Glasshouse Mountains, um, and uh, police allege that he uh, tried to break into the pub by going through the roof. He <laughs> lifted up some tiles, uh, got into the ceiling space, um, uh, crawled through more narrow and more narrow places until he just got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the pub manager comes in for his shift in the in the morning and hears this yelling and banging and thumping from the roof space and is like, oh, what the hell? And figures it all out pretty quick and calls the calls the police. Um, but uh, uh, as you know, in Queensland, the sun rises pretty early and uh, and it was pretty hot by the time the morning shift started. Uh, this guy had been in, stuck in the roof space for a number of hours, um, was suffering from uh, dehydration and, and I'm sure a pretty healthy dose of claustrophobia as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and on review, um, was very lucky not to electrocute himself. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Lucky well, man. Well. Now, go. I've got one for you guys as well, and um, I just had to Google it to make sure I was actually accurate with what I was going to say here, and I typed in, is the mullet hairstyle coming back? And the quick answer is yes, 
and it's formal in the front and party at the back is returning. So I expect you guys to be sporting that new hairstyle in 2021. Well, I was planning on having a haircut this week. I just changed my preference. <laughs> is, it still possible, is it still possible to, to grow a mullet if you've got a cheesel starting to form at the back of your head? <laughs> you can give it a go. You might end up just a rat sale. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're going to have to leave it there for today, but um, thank you for all your input and to our listeners for tuning in again for our 2021 series, and we'll do it again next Friday. Take care, guys. Cheers, Thanks. Thanks a lot. Good to be back. Bye.